Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield Reads. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft, and I'm here with Sarah Masaryk. And for our book club today, we have Sherry Early and Christy Stansfield and Tanya Arnold. Yay! Yay! <laughs> you know, Diane, when I was a middle schooler, I started to think that I really liked science fiction. I liked Ray Bradbury, and I don't know, I was a big fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. So I began to think, oh, I'm a really, I'm a sci-fi fan. And then when I read more sci-fi, I went, oh, no, no, I don't think I'm a sci-fi fan. <laughs> um, and, and so I kind of abandoned the genre, never abandoned Star Trek. And then over the years, I have had the delight in discovering authors like Connie Willis, who are classified on sci-fi shelves, but really, they're just really excellent storytellers. And some of her books happen to have more scientific currents that run through them, maybe. What do you think? Christy, you've read a lot of Connie Willis. Do you think that's a fair assessment of Connie Willis? Yeah, I think so. She just writes these stories that are not the same and Mm -hmm. all over through the genre it's like not even the genre it's like different parts of it and she she just writes really well although I have to admit when I was reading Roswell I was starting to think (laughs) oh I don't know what is going on what is going on here (laughs) but funny thing I, I to come back to read to say nothing of the dog it's like, oh my goodness, there it is again. You know, mm-hmm. there's a connection mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. which she does that. I can talk about <laughs> later. Her books are very different. Mm-hmm. The ones that are time travel are kind of all fit together, but she has right. some other really interesting books and ideas. She has such a different way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Sherry, I know that you and I both share a love for Connie Willis's time travel books, her Oxford Time Series books. But have you read a lot of her other books or just the Oxford ones? I've read several others by her. Mm. A couple that she wrote early that are a little outdated, maybe as far as the science or something is concerned. And I like them all. Awesome. Do I remember correctly? Did you feel like Blackout and All Clear were your favorites? Yes. Although this one's close. This one's a close second. It's very, because it's it's so light. It's in To Say Nothing of the Dog. Yes, time and the fabric of history are endangered, (laughs) but you never feel like they really are endangered. I mean, it's all going to work out. Kind of after they bumble around for a while, you know, they're all going to be okay. But in Blackout and All Clear, it's sort of serious, yeah. you know? Yeah. There are people getting killed here and stuff happening. Because it's World War II. And- yeah, and as a time traveler, you could get killed. You're not immune to the bombs that drop. Yeah. So, friends, today we are having our book club discussion about To Say Nothing of the Dog by Connie Willis. Tanya, this is your first Connie Willis. Is that right? Yeah. I've never even heard of Connie Willis. Excellent. I don't Excellent. Think. And Diane, this is your first Connie Willis, right? right? I hadn't heard of her before you started talking about her either. Oh, look at us, Diane. <laughs> We're in it together. I can hardly wait to hear what you thought then. <laughs> yeah, exciting. I am curious, though, if Blackout and All Clear are Sherry's favorites, why did we start with this one? Mm, that's a great question. That's very confusing for me because it's not book one, well, right? But Blackout and All Clear are the last two of the five time travel books. And so it's a little confusing because the first one isn't exactly a full book. It was like a novella that was kind of turned into a book. And then the second one is Doomsday, which I I think Doomsday is more of an acquired taste. And I felt like if we had started with the Black Death, you all would have been like, (laughs) ah, no. I loved that one. Oh, that was my second Connie. Well, first one was Passages. And oh, that uh, that was the first one I picked up and I thought, oh, this is interesting. So then (laughs) I went to to look at what else and Doomsday was my second. And I mean, how can you resist missing, not knowing anything else about the time travel books, missing the date and landing directly in the Black Death? 
instead of right. right before it, which was what their point was. Right. It's like, oh my goodness. That was... <laughs> All the lecherous old men were so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so gross. I felt gross and dirty the whole time. And then I happened to have finished <laughs> it the day that our local colleges shut down for COVID. Oh. Oh. <laughs> It was it was not the right yeah. way to go into COVID. <laughs> so, Tanya, in answer to your question, um, so with Doomsday, again, I thought also COVID hangover. Maybe not everybody wants to read about a plague yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and Blackout mm. and All Clear, they're my favorites. They are so compelling. And as we were talking before we started recording and Sherry was saying that there's something about time travel that's a little bit like prayer. You know, there's a, this cosmic element to it that there's ripples in time and the things that we do impact so many other things. And who's really governing that? And and as we find out in Blackout and All Clear, the net is very, very protective of time and it doesn't allow for major catastrophic changes until it breaks. And so who's really in charge? And I remember before I had read Blackout and All Clear, Sherry said, well, be prepared. You're going to read them bang, bang, right in order. And she said, watch for the redemptive themes. And the first book I ended, I'm like, I don't think there's any redemptive themes going on in here. But by the second book, I understood what she meant. It's very, very, it's a very sacrificial combined story and um, powerful, but it's long. It's 1400 pages. If I had said, let's read 1400 pages for book club next month, you would have looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking that we probably didn't start with those because they're a big commitment. Yeah. But after you've read this, if you liked it, yes, then maybe you're ready to make that commitment. Right. Also, this one is so much fun. It's like the importance of being earnest and P.G. Woodhouse. And it's just, yeah. it's and three men in a boat. Three men in a boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With a little timey-wimey thrown in. <laughs> Versus Blackout and All Clear are a lot more serious. I mean, they are World War II and really, really compelling. In my opinion, they're my most favorite World War II historical fiction that I've ever read. Too much of a commitment to start with. And too many things could go wrong. So, like if you hated it, we'd really yeah. be stuck. <laughs> so I see. Christy, Sarah, and Sherry love it. They're trying to hook myself and Diane. And so the question is, what did Diane and I think? Correct. Are we ready to take the next step? That is the question. That's a scary thought. Yeah. The question on the table, friends, is... And I already know what <laughs> Diane thinks. <laughs> Well, you know some of it. I wasn't done yet, probably. Oh, I think that could be bad or good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's going to be great. <laughs> so I do like time travel. And I do like Doctor Who. That's a whole other conversation because particular doctors, yeah, I particular... Mean, very particular doctors only, right? Very particular doctors. 10 and 11 only, thank you. But so it's timey wimey. So I love time travel. I think that's fun and interesting to think about. And I think I just did really enjoy it because A, it was humorous. It discussed a lot of mm -hmm. literature, a lot of mm -hmm. history. And I loved all of the tie in to all of that, even things that I knew I didn't right. know. <laughs> right. There's a lot of references where I think, oh, I'm like, it's just right there where I think I might know what you're talking about, but I probably don't. <laughs> And many where I did, right? So, and the writing is rich mm -hmm. and humorous and funny and British and all the things that you guys said. So I did really enjoy it. It took me the first five chapters because it's... So weird. Time lagged. He's basically, yeah. he's time lagged. So basically for, for our listeners, it's like he's telling the story, but he's drunk uh -huh. or high. And so it doesn't make any sense. Because to him, nothing um, makes sense. But he knows it doesn't but make sense. But he doesn't at so first. He's even, right? He thinks he's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. So so you're kind of getting into it. And, I, and Judd was like, what are you reading? And he's like, so tell me about it. And I was like, I I don't know. And I don't even think I can narrate it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's happening, honestly. And I kept reading it. And then he'd be like, and I'd giggle. And he'd be like, what's so funny? And I'd say, I don't even know how to explain it. And unless I give you this whole backstory, right. 
I don't even know how to say why this particular piece was funny. I do think for me that at one point I had to give up on understanding the logic of the story. There probably is logic to it. I don't know what it is, not even a little bit at all. I kept trying to figure out what the slippage was and what they were trying to do and what were the pieces that were all broken. And finally, I just, I just felt like you just need to get on this train and write it (laughs) and not worry about where it's going, who's driving or how it works because it makes no sense. (laughs) And once I let go of that, which you have to do in any time travel story, right? Because it's timey-wimey and it doesn't make sense. Like it's hard to, Mm -hmm. yeah to make sense of. So once I let go of that, I just thought, oh, I'm just, I'm on this train. We're going on a ride. <laughs> then I was like, yeah, this is, it's fun. And the, and the quotes mm-hmm. are funny and quirky. And yeah, the dog was like a human also. <laughs> so the dog was my favorite oh. character. You're not supposed to say anything about the dog. In fact, I thought the dog was a person. Well, yeah. You started <laughs> out thinking that it was a person, but it was a dog. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say that the mechanics of time travel in blackout and all clear are much more precisely defined because it is the essential mm-hmm. element in the story. The the plot in that book, in those two, in that one story, which covers two books, that plot is governed by the fact that the time travel is broken and these time travelers are trapped and they're trapped in very dangerous places where they should not have been because of slippage and because of the net which is the the governing force around the around the time travel and so it's it's just interesting that if that's an aspect of the story that you enjoyed it is really interesting it's intellectually satisfying to see that play out in the the next two books but it still doesn't make it does not yes (laughs) it does not yeah especially the ending you scratch your head and wait Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, no. Yeah. That, that, no, no, no. I thought you couldn't. I thought Contempt's couldn't do that. Yeah. When he was explaining it all at the end, it's like at the end of a mystery when they gather all together, uh-huh. which they're they're talking about this through the whole thing. They're trying to make mm-hmm. that happen. And he's explaining it. And I'm like, I don't have time to sit down and parse <laughs> this. Because, and map this off. Yeah, because it probably doesn't yeah. make sense, like Tanya said. And how would we know? Mm-hmm. And how many times I thought that time travelers can never see themselves, right? Isn't that the golden rule of time travel? You cannot see a version of yourself because if you do, it like breaks time travel or well, something. Well, that's probably a Star yes, Trek that's con- a rule. concept or yeah, something like probably. that. Probably. You know? It's all made up. Did you know right. that, Sarah? It's all really made up. <laughs> no. Oh, just no. A <laughs> no, there are rules, Christy. Yes, there there are is rules. It? Or is it? Yes. No, there so aren't. Th- and that's part of the problem. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> Logical people like Diane are thinking, this is nuts. <laughs> I don't even think I'm not necessarily a logical person, but the first several chapters were exhausting because what, yeah. what I don't like is stories, first of all, based on lies or misunderstandings. So mm-hmm. we come into the story where everything is a misunderstanding. So in order to correct that, we try to manipulate everyone. And you can't do that. So he's frustrated by saying, oh, no, what if this and such happened? Maybe I should do this. Well, that didn't work. Oh, no, I should try to make everyone go to Coventry. And just that the pressure of trying to manipulate everybody into doing something. So the first several chapters, I was just going, I I was having to just read like a few pages and then take a break. (laughs) Finally... (laughs) It led up a little bit when he finally meets Verity back in in Victorian Mm -hmm. times and he can talk to somebody and be Mm -hmm. honest with somebody and get some help and start to clear his brain a little bit and we can slow down a little bit. Then it got, then I started enjoying it. And then at the end again, where he is trying to figure out like the end of a murder mystery or something. He, it gets, I'm thinking, Oh, I'm almost done. That wasn't so bad. And all of a sudden it's frantic again. While he's trying to get it to come to the end that it's supposed to be and explain how it went and all those kinds of things. So it was just, in a lot of ways, it was exhausting. But I finished it a couple of days ago and had a time to think about it. And I thought, you know, what it feels like now, though, is that I enjoyed being in her world. Yes. Yes. 
And I don't mm-hmm. even know exactly how she did that. A lot of times I can't mm-hmm. identify that when I read a book and then feel like, oh, I would just like to go back there. I liked her yeah. world. And I really appreciated how light it was because the characters are just mm-hmm. really, as they're supposed to be these time travel scientists and, and sophisticated and everything. And they're not. <laughs> they're very no, unsophisticated they're and they don't. They're not taking themselves too seriously. Like when they're referencing being detectives from Agatha Christie or something like that. They're yes. they're very <laughs> yes. unselfconscious about it. Like we're just kind of playing right. that detective game. That doesn't really have anything to do with what we're doing. And it did. <laughs> but they were more mm-hmm. believable than the guy, you know, if it was some scientist who's got it all figured out or something. Like Spock. They weren't like Spock. They were yeah. they were more like no. Scotty. Kirk. <laughs> so there were parts i enjoyed about compelling as kirk i enjoyed about a third of it (laughs) the middle third well well friends at this point we're gonna go into spoilers and so if you were just tuning in to listen to the setup this is a good place for you to reach for your device and pause it and come back to it once you've read. If you don't care about spoilers or you've already read, then keep listening because from this point on, we're not going to be careful about what we're saying and we're just going to talk about things. So, all right. So you only liked a third of it. <laughs> I wanted to know, do any of you have a picture in your mind of the Bishop's bird stump? No. <laughs> I had to go look that up. Kept, oh my I goodness. I crying and trying to imagine what this thing looked like. Uh-huh. It's a vase, yes. right? Yeah. Sort of a vase with yes. all kinds of ornamentation. Uh, or yes. yes. Stuff well, every yes. time they talked about it, there was some new thing. Something new? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how can mm-hmm. one thing but, have all this stuff on it? Yeah, how big it's the was the Victorian that? era? It was gaudy. <laughs> yes. It was so gaudy. <laughs> yes. So you actually looked it up? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, every time I read it, I go look it up just to remind myself of how completely hideous it is, and it's not real. So it's no. only sort of real, and so it's. It, I think it's actually based on something that was considered to be super hideous, and she just thought that was really fun to reference. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Well, I, because it's weird because so much of this is real, not not the story, obviously, but so much of the other details are based on real things, real places. And and that was sort of a red herring, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Why is it called a bird stump? Isn't it because mm-hmm. it wasn't just that thing, but it's it's a type of thing. And they were like the stump of a log with the vase was in the shape of a stump with birds on it and other things. This one just got carried away, which that all stops mattering. That's not the point. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's the MacGuffin. The what? MacGuffin. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's a term. There's always something like in a Alfred Hitchcock movie or something that everybody's after looking for. Like the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, like the Maltese Falcon or whatever. It's, But it's not really the point of the yeah, story. Yeah, it's not the point. It's just the, the thing. The thing. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, no, Christy, the only thing about that is, that is the picture, and we'll put that in the show notes. That is the picture, but the one was supposed to have all these scenes from the Bible on yes. it, remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and history. Said, all kinds of history. All history. kinds of history. <laughs> Everything. And, Everything. And it's like, this thing... Everything. Everything. And she thought it was gorgeous. She thought it was the height of art. Until Bane. I thought that. And Bane just said, no, it's not. Uh, And talk about the bull in the china shop. Bane just did it right there. And I was like, finally. But and that's when you know something is up with Bane. Well, if you didn't, yeah. I mean, I think it was obvious. It was so much obvious, yeah. How many times did she say, and the butler always did it, right? right? Like the right. butler always did it. Right. But then I loved, I loved the little aside, right? So this is really about whether or not she's going to get engaged to the right guy. But we've got to use all these detective novels <laughs> to sort of advance the story along. And I loved how she said, you know, the butler always did it. But then readers got wise to that. So mm-hmm. the mystery writers had to change it up. And they had to change it to this person. It was the sweet old lady who did it. Oh, but then readers got wise to that. So next time it was the narrator who did it. And I just thought, this is such a fun little yeah, time capsule because of, the, of the murder mystery novel. It was all of them. 
Mm-hmm. It it was right. the butler, and it was the sweet old lady, and <laughs> and the narrator, and the narrator. Yeah, but I really appreciated how it was obvious for a long time that it was going to be the butler, but she was subtle about the obviousness, so it wasn't like okay, got to figure it out now. I'm bored. She did a really right. good job of of putting that element in there, but not making it so that it was just like okay, can we just get this over with now? Right, right. Yeah, you still yeah. questioned it for sure. You questioned like it and you wondered, drop, you wondered, okay, I think this is it, but how is she going to get there? And where is the bird stump? And why her, do we care? Yeah. Her yeah. and the butler why do we care? has nothing to do with where the bird stump actually is. Well, in Verity, even queries, is it the butler? But then they check out the name and the name doesn't fit. So, yeah, which is, again, it's so the importance of being earnest. He has a name that he doesn't have. Yeah. But see, anybody that knows anything knows that they don't call them by their names, names. which they no. said that about Colleen and Jane they and Gladys. They She called all her maids Gladys. Don't you question his sanity and his judgment? <laughs> she is an idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She is an idiot. But he saw. But he loved her anyway. He saw something. He saw right. something in her that right. she didn't even see in herself. In herself. And right. don't we do that for each other sometimes? Yeah. You know, we yeah. can see something in someone that they're not even aware of themselves and can mm-hmm. help them be a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, it absolutely. was a It was a tough one, though. That was a really hard sell, I gotta say. It was a hard sell. I just thought Finch was a sweet character. Yes. It reminded me so much of Downton Abbey. I know! Good old Finch just doing his thing and being feeling like this was where he belonged, but yet he knew he couldn't stay, and but just living his best life. I love that. <laughs> Lady Shrapnel. I mean, what a name. Right? <laughs> that went straight out of Dickens, right? That went straight totally. out of Dickens. Totally. Lady oh. Shrapnel's obsession with recreating this cathedral it was just a little weird to me. I mean, it was a good device for the plot, of course. But... Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the details. A few things that I thought were really interesting was this book was written in the late Mm -hmm. 90s, right? 97, 98, 99. And so, but there are times where they go to 2018, right? Yeah. And cats are extinct. Yeah. So there's the plague of 2020 (laughs) where cats go extinct. Yeah. No, they called it pandemic. I know. That's right. Here I am. I finish the book. I go out for breakfast with Greta because I take Michael to Latin class and I go to my friend's house to pick up Michael from Latin. And I said, and then my friend is the one who told me to read the book. And so I, and she answers the door and I said, I just, I said, I just got a phone call that the, the sisters are kicked off of the college campus because they're from California and they need to go home and quarantine. And the the my friends look at me and said what and they were adjunct professors at a local university and they said we were chatting and i said and it's really strange because it, they they they're concerned about this this covid thing and i said and i just finished doomsday and she said oh and the plague of 2020 where cats go extinct and then their phone <laughs> rang and it was the local university calling them to tell them not to come and teach class because campus was closed i was like oh this is like a movie oh wow <laughs> that is weird <laughs> it's shocking i read that mm-hmm. book in the mid 2000s so of course 2018 hadn't happened in 20. So the whole pandemic thing went right over my head. So now I'm reading it and thinking, did she cheat? Because I'm on the Kindle version. (laughs) It's like, did she cheat and go back in there and put Mm -hmm. that in there? Mm -mm. Nope. I heard it before it happened. Yep. (laughs) That's why I have to question your whole idea about whether or not this is really a story. Or if time travel is real. I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
She was traveling. 100%. She was going to happen. Yeah. She came back. She wrote her yeah. book. Like, I'm just saying conspiracy right theory yeah. right there. We do still have cats. Oh, there are cats. <laughs> well, um, I mean, maybe, maybe she really <laughs> likes cats and she protected them. Well, it probably was a warning to enough people to keep that from happening. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yes, oh. people saw that and thought, oh, we better make sure that we have lots of cats. <laughs> lots of cats. <laughs> well, and I I loved the part. So he hasn't ever been around a cat. Right, because right? they, they know nothing about one. Right. So he goes back to the 1880s and there's it, everything is revolving around a cat. And the, the moment that the cat is up on his chest or going to sleep and it purrs and he has always heard of what yeah. purring is, but has never experienced uh-huh, yeah. a purr. Oh, I just thought oh. that's incredibly powerful when you think about that. Like if you had to explain purring to someone or what that was right. like, that's incredibly difficult to do. It's experiential, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you have to experience well, that. And he was dysregulated from his time lag, right? So his nervous system is still all out of whack. He's still a little hungover mm-hmm. from that, so to speak. But we know scientifically that the purring of a cat will help our nervous systems to regulate. And so I thought mm-hmm. that was actually a sweet little touch, too, that, you know, Princess Arjuman, he didn't want anything to do with her, but she was helping him come back into sync. Yeah. So I loved the, the yeah. dog, right. the animals, the dogs, yes. the cats, and their interplay with the humans and the way they even spoke to the dog and his personality and yeah. <laughs> and how he was obedient. It was just hysterical to me that they know exactly what you're saying and they have their own emotions. They're looking at you. I just, that was hysterical to me. And when it took me a minute to realize that the dog was yeah. not a human in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But that's yeah. from, because he didn't realize yeah. either. <laughs> that's the same thing as in the, the three men in a boat, right? They just start talking about um, whatever the dog's name is. And it takes you a while to figure out that it's a dog. Well, I have not read Three Men in a Boat. I I've only read the first I chapter. I did not know that. I had not <laughs> read Three Men in a Boat before I read To Say Nothing of the Dog. So I didn't get any of that. That's why I was determined this time to read Three Men in a Boat before I read To Say Nothing of the Dog. And it was just silly. Silly. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think very, <laughs> very silly. I just thought, I get it. Okay, I get the concept. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm glad this one is not quite that silly. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, very smarter than that. Very much the sense of frustration in not being able to get to what you're trying to do and still going through the story. I mean, they're trying to get, get on the river and go down and, and do their thing. And one thing after another happens and it just keeps frustrating their goal of having this nice little trip on the river, you know, relaxing. It's supposed blah, to be blah, so blah. relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, but it, at least all of world yeah. history doesn't turn on it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, you know, this is the same way. It's like they just, no matter how hard they try, they can't seem to get past what they're trying to get to. I don't know how else mm. to say that. They can't, they can't get her to the cathedral. They're, every mm-hmm. time they try, something else happens. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it, it's like it in that way. And, uh, the personalities of the, guys in the boat were really funny and um him thinking that he was jerome k jerome right he was he was identifying <laughs> with him that was pretty good and then <laughs> then i did i think it was only the first couple of chapters well because you get to the end of um to say nothing of the dog and she calls out robert heinlein's have spacesuit will travel that's what gave her the idea to come up with this whole thing and it made me think of gary schmidt saying just sometimes it's just a word or a thought or something Mm -hmm. that gives you an idea right so then of course i had to go get that book and i know i've read that book and (laughs) i I had to go get the kindle version of it and it's right there in the first two pages where the dad is reading to uh, three men in a boat and talked about Harris and the can opener and the can of pineapple. 
<laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, that was so good. But then, so then in this one though, it's complicated. Like they spend a lot of time digging through their baggage because they haven't packed well and they don't know where the things are that they need. But then in To Say Nothing of the Dog, it's complicated by the fact that he doesn't even know what he's looking for. Right. So what right. would the can opener look like if I were to find it? Find it. <laughs> yes. And it's so important because they cannot make their jumps backward and forward in time with anything. They can't bring any Victorian artifacts with them mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not and supposed they to be able to. Right. <laughs> right. Like the but Princess Arjumon still came. Open. Right. <laughs> right. But see, this is the beginning yeah. of the breakage yeah. of the net that becomes a real problem in Blackout and All Clear. <laughs> so in Blackout and All Clear, we find out that all the things they think about time travel are not actually true and that maybe you shouldn't be doing time travel at all maybe you really are messing with reality yeah. mm -hmm. well there's a little bit of that at the end yeah, of this too where they're they're talking about the the or the people who started the time travel that they thought they knew certain things and maybe that's not actually the case either and by the end we mm -hmm. know that they were wrong mm -hmm. yeah See, this is why I don't like all of this random stuff where the rules aren't the rules. <laughs> I don't either unless it's a well-told story. And, and I have enjoyed this story immensely each time I've read it. So to me, it's like, okay, I'll play by her rules because I like her world so much. Yes. So it's, it's like Star Trek. Well, I'll play by their rules because I like their world so much. And I'll suspend those rules when I go into Star Wars. And it's okay with me. But I think it's more, it's almost like... We don't understand the rules. Like we think we understand the rule, but we don't actually have all the information. And then we get more information. It's, it's similar to me, yeah. science yeah. too. We see the progression right. of science. Science is never done. It's never, there's some things that get concluded, but many things are just theories. This is what we think we understand right. until we get more light and knowledge. And then we now understand something more. So for me, it was, well, this is what we think, but that's our best guess. Like we don't know. Well, so it was messy. And I like the messiness of that because it feels very human mm -hmm. to me and also a bit Shakespearean to me where there's all these – so like Diane was talking about like miscommunications and stuff. I I just think that's just human life where there's miscommunications and one person says one thing and another person thinks another thing. And then we try to manipulate something because we think we're being helpful, but really maybe we're not being helpful. But maybe in the eternal scheme of things, God is still – sovereign. Fixing all yeah. that anyway, right? Like he's still, God is still sovereign. Like that's right. what I walked away with from the book was this great. And may, I don't know if anything about this author and maybe I see what I want to see in stories. Don't that's we probably all though? Very yeah. true. I mean, yeah. we all do, right? Yes. <laughs> but, but what I felt like was that all events are important, even small, tiny, minuscule events, right. even a cat or a dog and big events are important and God is still mm -hmm. sovereign. And so- it was just like hopeful and a sense of peace and just all the shenanigans all over the place was that there was this big pattern and that the net could do all these different things or, or the timeline would still sort itself yeah. out and things would still happen the way they in, were intended to happen. But none of that took away free right. will. Right. Right. Like mm -hmm. all of this could be balanced in this really crazy mm -hmm. way. So it was just fascinating to me from kind of a philosophical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of thing that it made me think about was that I told you earlier that it reminded me of prayer, sort of, mm -hmm. because I think we live in a world where we don't always know what the right thing to do is. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, should I pray more or should I let go of this and just leave it with God? Should I, am I... Um, saying enough? Am I saying too much? Should I act? Am I doing yeah. enough? Am I doing too much? Mm -hmm. all, all those things. And they were in exactly the same situation. Mm -hmm. You know, should they should they try with all their hearts to fix this timeline and, and get the cat saved or not save the cat? Well, she saved the cat out of good intentions. Right. So maybe it's good, <laughs> but but maybe it was bad and it ruined history and and you don't know. Right. You don't mm -hmm. know the impact of your actions or your words. A lot of times 
ever right. or for a long time. Right, right. Yeah. And you just muddle through and do the best you can. Right. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you look at the situation and say, Lord, help me to do what's the right thing. And then you do something mm-hmm. or don't mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made me feel like, though, as much as we muddle it up, because they were completely muddling yes. everything up. Mm-hmm. They could, and they could affect nothing. That no matter how much we muddle things up, mm-hmm. God and angels or whoever you, you know, however you want to perceive the timeline being <laughs> fixed, work it all out. So it's like, oh, she did that over there. Well, that's okay because now we're going to make these adjustments over here. And I also think when we have inspiration, where we have, you know, someone is impressed on our mind. And so we think, oh, I should call that person. I should send a text. I should check on a child. All of those things in my are mind, connected. In, if I was thinking about this world, mm-hmm. are connected and and they're doing things that we don't know what they're doing. And so I just started feeling like, huh, that's like in, in light of the way she was, they were, the author pointed out that this thing happened and then this thing happened and then this crazy thing happened. And would the timeline actually resort to this really convoluted way of fixing things it could have done it in a more simple way. Or was there still purpose in the well, chaos because of they, it? Ned and Verity would not have developed a relationship if it had been straight, right? If it had been simple. They would yeah. have, if they had just gone back to Oxford, they would have each been sent out on different missions. They may or may not have run into each other again. But in the meantime, they've had this bonding experience. And it was supposed to play out so that they would have a relationship because that has eternal consequences mm-hmm. too. And, mm-hmm. in, and at the same time, we don't live in a deterministic universe in which right. our right. actions and our um, decisions don't matter at all. Right. So we have to go ahead and do the thing that we think is right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and know that God's going to work it all out. And at the same time, Know that God's going to work it out. <laughs> right. It's very right. It's like timey wimey. Timey wimey. I feel like at the end mm-hmm. that that was exactly what she's saying is they're realizing that while the net is fixing all the things and that there was, without saying God, what else could have mm-hmm. taken care of all those details and gone back and changed things and arranged things and manipulated things so that it would still come out the way it was supposed to? And it, that felt like. Okay, all the all the things you tiny little people are doing, there is a force that's in ultimate control. And what else could it be? Well, and he loves us. Right. So he wants us to choose him freely. And so our free will has to be factored in. But because he loves us, he also wants us to choose him and be successful in that choice. And so he's going to give us every single opportunity to know him and love him. And I think that's what I take away from this whole timey why me and the net and the way the net works is that the net is supposed to preserve reality for the end that God had in mind, or in, in the case of this story, whatever it is that the greatest being, whatever the greatest being is in this story, it's supposed to achieve a particular end. How it achieves that It wants to do it with compliance and participation of these souls' free will, but it's still going to continue to arrange things so that people can sort of make the right choices along the way. So there's a quote that is from the book that I really loved, and it said, a grand design we couldn't see because we were Mm -hmm. part of it. A grand design we only got occasional fleeting glimpses of. A grand design involving the entire course of history and all of time and space that, for some unfathomable reason, chose to work out its design with cats and croquet mallets and pen wipers, to say nothing of the dog, and a, and a hideous piece of Victorian artwork mm-hmm. and I us. Love it. I love it. I loved that. So there was a grand mm-hmm. design, and it was working its way out in ways that you could not possibly mm-hmm. imagine and making connections that we cannot possibly see. Yeah. And it's all coming out for our good in the end. And it did. It came out for the good of yeah. everyone in the end. And it was just, but you watched right. a chaotic system right. at play. And, without, and, and the author kind of walks you down. But you throughout the story, you're kind of thinking, where where are we going? I don't know where we're going <laughs> here. I mean, you kind of have some sense, but you're not, you're not like 100% sure. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so, kind of felt like a breath of fresh air to see how it got all tied up, how it was funny and poignant 
and crazy and weird and there's seances and it's <laughs> very Victorian. Seances. That's yeah. the best yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. The seances, they know it's a spoof because Ben because Ned and Verity know that this is nonsense. And he's they got do. his little knock and his little clacker does. thing. Yes. Not yes. the clackers, yeah. <laughs> and she's got them to the castanets tied to her knees and she's clapping them and he's got his wrist tied <laughs> to the table. <laughs> but but in Victorian England they were very part of the culture. So yes, absolutely. And, and, and the, so, what's interesting is Diane and I used to, used to talk about this a long time ago is that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was furious that people knew him for Sherlock Holmes. They wanted people, he wanted people to know him for his study on fairies because he actually thought that that was legitimate work. <laughs> so I love the way that she rips him in this book because it's perfection. <laughs> But he's current to those people, and that's interesting. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Even in the little comments about mm-hmm. Chesterton, and what it was one of the men in the boat, Chesterton, he theorized. <laughs> it's like all these current people. <laughs> so I want to say, share one other thing, and then if you have to go on without <laughs> me, just go on without me. Okay. So the other aspect that I loved was all of the historical mm-hmm. commentary. So all of the times where she pointed out an event in history and how if this one thing had not happened this way, then maybe this thing wouldn't have happened the way we thought. Mm -hmm. And then, and I, I remember thinking how fascinating and I wondered how well, I assumed she did really good Mm -hmm. research. um, She loves to be able to identify. She loves research. research. That's one of her favorite parts of the whole process is to just go and live in that time period and understand it as best as she can and then create inside of it. So I just thought it was fascinating because there were a few pieces that she shared that I did know about, like World War One hinging on the fact that a driver took Correct. a wrong turn. But there were other pieces that I didn't know about. And it it really made me, the more it got brought up, the more I wanted to go study yes. and seek out yes. these details. Yes. I kind of I kind of wish I would have read it making a list of 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 the things that kind of hinged on a single event. But and if that one, this single- was the thing I wanted to say is that I, when you were saying that you thought it was such a breath of fresh air or a minute ago, you're talking about it being a, such a breath of fresh air. I'm like, that's how I felt about the story in general. It felt like a mental health break. It felt like I was, I was going yes. on this lovely Oxford boat ride <laughs> and it was going into some, I don't know, little world that was fun to visit, even though it was silly and made no sense. It wasn't Alice in Wonderland. It was more delightful than that. Right. right. Yeah. It's a little Alice in Wonderland. It was like in the willows. It was a little like messing around in boats. <laughs> a little wind of the willows, right. Uh, or a little swallows <laughs> and Amazons or something. And and mm-hmm. I found it to be so restorative to sit and read it for its own merit. But part of what to me makes this story so compelling is you could easily go back and reread it and do exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So first time, read it for the sheer joy of it. Second time, go back either because you want to figure out what the time travel is or you want to figure out what those one-offs were or you want to figure out who all these mystery writers were. And then you want to go read all the mystery novels that are referenced or whatever. Yes. Oh, right? yes. I I loved all the mystery novel aspects. And I love Agatha mm-hmm. Christie. I, I love the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So much yeah. of that. Father Brown. All of that, I think, is a whole nother discussion. So really quick, I'm going to share this quote so our readers can get kind of a mm-hmm. taste of the historical um, commentary that was in here. So uh, it says, let's see. Consequences multiply and cascade and anything, a missed telephone call, a match struck during a blackout, Mm -hmm. a dropped piece of paper, a single moment can have empire tottering effects. The Archduke Ferdinand's chauffeur makes a wrong turn onto Franz Joseph street and starts a world war. Abraham Lincoln's bodyguard steps outside for a smoke and destroys a piece. Hitler leaves orders not to be disturbed because he has a migraine and finds out about the D-Day invasion 18 hours too late. A lieutenant fails to mark a telegram, urgent, and Admiral Kimmel isn't warned of the impending Japanese mm-hmm. attack. Quote, for want of a nail, the shoe mm-hmm. was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider mm-hmm. was lost. Oh, I, and I thought, I didn't know about some mm-hmm. of those. I didn't know that Hitler had left an order not to be disturbed because he had a migraine and found out about D-Day 18 hours too late. So I, and I've and read so World much about World War II. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys know that? I didn't know that. I did, yeah. But I think oh, I only did? knew it because I had read this book like, you know, five, six years ago. 
Oh, but okay. If you read Blackout and All Clear, yes. even if you've read a lot about World War II, you will find all kinds of aspects of World War II mm. that you had never known about. <laughs> the inflatable tanks, Sherry. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all kinds of things. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, and this one has that whole tie through the, through the whole book of Enigma yes. and Ultra. Oh, that's like a well. central huh? theme of Blackout and, and All Glare. And I think if a listener is listening to this and they haven't read this book, they're going to think this is the craziest book because think of how many things we are discussing uh-huh. like time travel and Enigma and murder Ultra and, and Hitler and World War II and, and murder yeah. Waterloo. and Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. And, and Waterloo and Three Men in a Boat. And it also ties to Wind in the Willows. Like, it doesn't make any sense. We haven't even really, like, gone too far below nice. the surface of what's here. And it's about a 500. I had the paperback. And it was a 500-page book with tiny mm-hmm. print. And so it's just rich. I really enjoyed it. It was a mental break, mm-hmm. Sarah. I think it was a – but also mind-stimulating yes. in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just fluff. It wasn't a no. beach read like no. that. It was like doing still... puzzles for the afternoon or something. Like really yes. fun puzzles. Like yes. puzzles where you put them together to figure out clues to do the next puzzle or something. Yeah. Especially if you can let go of trying to figure out the yeah. time travel because that did make my brain yes. break. The slippage and the... Incongruities and um, all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the incongruities and there were some other words net closures and i i was just thinking i don't i thought I don't it was interesting too that they kept talking about the insignificant things as though mm-hmm. they had any idea we're insignificant yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and actually i think that is maybe i'm glad you brought that up diane that's actually what made my heart just kind of mm-hmm. sing at the end is that there's nothing mm-hmm. that's insignificant Amen. no person mm-hmm. no thing no god no creation right. of god is insignificant and all has value, including the cat, and to say nothing right. of the dog. Right, say nothing of the dog. <laughs> and I just thought that's a powerful, powerful message. I love that. And how many soulmates were yeah. found, even when it seemed like there was no way they were going to find each other? <laughs> you know, they missed each other yeah. at the train station, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, all the different ways. Even as you're watching Carruthers and the Warder, you're going, "What? Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> what is this about?" <laughs> so. Oddly enough, it's a love story, yep, too, yes. on yes, multiple levels. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, and the so and the curate at Coventry is such a red herring. Yes. Right? You totally think he's the guy. He's got to right? be the guy. And then Miss right? Sharp comes through, and, and that's another red herring that you think that's right? got to have something to do. Oh, do with it. Yeah. And it's really the woman that the curate chases down. Like that's not even, it's not, you don't no, even know her. No. And he's not even there. And, and right. yeah. And, but yet, you know, you're looking, if you're a mystery reader at all, you know, you're looking for the red herrings, but you, mm-hmm. you, you get caught every time. It's like, darn, that was a red herring. <laughs> I missed that. You know, oh, that, that second time through, I missed it. <laughs> well, I was delighted to find a one, I think it was one reference in which they talk about, is it Dr. Fugasaki? Yeah. Who is so important in Blackout and All Clear because it's his theories of slippage that unlock, like Mr. Dunworthy is very concerned about what Fugasaki is saying, yes. but in To Say Nothing to the Dog, Lady Shrapnel and Dunworthy are sort of not really listening to him. And he's not even a character. He's a non-character. And yet now I realize how important he is. Yeah. It's, I think it's genius. Have, have you read Firewatch? Yeah. No, not yet. Well, what I can't understand is all the number of time travelers who are around this cathedral at, at the, the same, same time. time. I mean, sort of the same time. Are Like, they're all... It's. Like some of them are on the roof at the fire watch and some of them are down here. And right. Some of them are. Well, and remember. They're, they're just after after the um, incendiaries land and some of them. And I'm like, there's no way that the people in Oxford could manage. <laughs> yes. It's almost like her stories got away from her because I feel like in Blackout and All Clear, we get the, you know, they see Mr. Dunworthy, you know, when he's like 20. Yeah. It's not the 60-year-old Mr. Dunworthy. Yeah, it's, all, 
they he doesn't recognize them, but they recognize him, and it's all very confusing and <laughs> yeah. time travel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to bring it down a notch off the uh, mm-hmm. intellectual level and uh, <laughs> say things like, "Well, this this book reminded me, and I think I might have said something about this before." reminded me so much of the madcap comedy old movies that Cary Grant was in that, Mm. that just, they just go on and you don't get what's going on and it's silly. And you think this is so silly. I shouldn't be liking it, but you can't stop watching it. But like arsenic and old lace, just silly or, or bringing up baby about the dumb tiger and, and Catherine Hepburn and the whole thing that reminded me so much of that kind of connection. And she brought literary connections into this with the mystery novels and stuff like that. In the road to Roswell, she Mm. is doing movie themes in the same way that that she's doing literary themes and it's all alien movies. (laughs) <laughs> because of course they're in Roswell and this is aliens oh. and this book starts out the same way that to say nothing of the dog starts out you don't understand oh. what's going on it Diane you'll love it <laughs> you'll, oh, yeah. you'll love the middle third you, you will have the same experience and now that I've gone back and read to, to say nothing of the dog it's like, oh, I get it now. But it had been so long mm-hmm. since I had read it. I mm-hmm. So I had to trust the author because it mm-hmm. was really silly and really <laughs> improbable. And, and I'm like, how can this even be worth continuing on? But I did because mm-hmm. you trust the author. And then you get to the point where it starts to come together. Mm-hmm. And then the... and. You know, if you grew up in an era where the alien movies were, you know, Close Encounters and Alien and all these different ones, it's all coming in there. And then there's all these different characters from different walks of life. So it's almost a little bit like The Good Companions, where Priestley brings in these characters from different locations and they all end up in the same place. And then they have the adventure. And so here they all, Uh she brings them all in and then they start having the adventure and there's a mystery and you can't figure out what's going on because (laughs) spoiler alert, there's an alien. There really is (gasps) shocking, shocking, and they can't understand him. And so they are concocting a method of communication during this whole (laughs) adventure and and then it i mean it just goes on like three men in a boat and to say nothing of the dog none of it makes sense but it does make sense and you just have to stop trying to make sense and just go with it mm, and it yeah, and then okay. you get to the end and you are just glad you read it cuz you loved oh. the world that she built out yeah. there in the desert yeah. where nobody yeah. knew where they were going and and they didn't even know why and and they there was a mystery there and and you didn't know who was who and there were red Mm -hmm. herrings and Mm -hmm. it was just that, that thing again. And I should, I should have recognized it, but my old brain did not make the connection until I started reading to say nothing of the dog again. It's like, yes. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of highbrow literature out there that deserves all the attention it gets, right? I mean, Pride and Prejudice is truly an exceptional piece of art And we have to read the good classics like that. But one of the things that I think we don't pay enough attention to are some of these kinds of books where the world that has been created is really deftly done. And it's just a really, it's a, it has a transportive effect for us. And it, it allows us to go into a different mindset, a different place, a different way of thinking, even just for a while, like a tourist. And I found it interesting. I've watched a couple of interviews with Connie Willis, and she loves movies. 
like loves them. So I'm not surprised to hear about those connections in Roswell. She has a whole nother book, I believe, just set in the like the silver screen era. Yes, of that Hollywood. was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like her books don't read like literature. They read like movies to me. Like I feel like I'm walking into a set. I can appreciate all the set pieces. Like I found myself imagining the river. I found myself imagining the house. I had sympathy with the characters, but I was really placing them in a scene more than say in Jane Austen. I don't really care where they are. I just want to hear the dialogue. I just want to hear what's going on between them. Right. In this one, I don't even care so much about the dialogue so much as I care about watching a theatrical scene unfold before me. And it, to me, feels like a lot of scenes in a few acts. So it makes sense. It's a three-act play, and Diane liked the middle act. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, though, that um, I think that it would be enjoyable to read it again. Yes. Now that mm-hmm. I've gotten through it. And, the, and enjoy yeah. being there and looking for things that I missed the first time because it was so confusing and because I did mm-hmm. like the world. And I, and I think I understand right. what you're saying, Sarah, and it makes sense, but I want to make sure that people know it's not like a movie set or scene the way some books are written where you're, you just know that the author wrote that hoping it would be a movie. Oh, oh, right. right. No, she no. she shudders at the idea that they would turn oh. any of her books into a movie. <laughs> yeah. Perish the they they turned one in and she said, "Huh. Huh. So those are the choices they made." Okay. And uh or they made it for into like a TV special. Uh-huh. And she was like, "Oh, okay." And so I I'm glad you made that distinction because she is not aiming to have her books converted. It to me these feel more like theater, like going to see a play. Yeah. Yeah. But theater with lots of um, literary illusions yes. and things like that that you yes. that you get get to enjoy yeah. also at the same time. So classic Connie Willis, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think this is explicit in there, but you know they kept referring back to um, the Battle of Waterloo, and I kept thinking of Les Misérables because you have that one chapter that's about the guy who's at Waterloo, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, what is this? Four, and then in the end, <laughs> you find out that it was just that one quick connection that mattered to the whole plot, and so right. you know Hugo's mm-hmm. not writing a time travel book, but he, mm-hmm. but there is this just far-reaching effect of the one thing that happened, and it and I don't right. think she's referring to that, but I kept going back to that whenever they would talk about Waterloo. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Now, I've done this as a teen book club, and I had teenagers love it, but I've had other people sort of raise their eyebrows when I say that. So I'm curious, who is the target audience, do you think, for this book? I think it's meant to be an adult book, mm-hmm. but but there's nothing in it that would be inaccessible to teenagers or right. bad no. for them, I would think. Right, right. No, I mean, they are probably too young to get a lot of the references because they probably haven't had enough time to read all the things that she references. So right. some of that might be lost on them. But right. what do you think, Christy? As, as a romp, mm-hmm. they, it, mm-hmm. I think it would be fun for them mm-hmm. to be able to try and figure out what's mm-hmm. really going on and, mm-hmm. and be confused. And yeah, and the characters are pretty well drawn. So you're, you're not um, struggling to kind of figure out who these people are. And right. I, I think, I think they'd enjoy it. If, yeah. if not okay. for, you know, even if they don't get the literary references or the historical references, but it might pique their interest because it brings a lot of interest into the story of hey, yeah. I'd like to know more about Harriet and Lord Peter or or yeah. Poirot and his degrees. Yeah. All of the doomed relationships <laughs> he keeps bringing up. <laughs> oh no, no, Romeo and Juliet. No, bad, bad example. No, <laughs> yeah. Or, or the um, or the 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 manipulation of of trying to get people together, which reminds me a lot of Emma, 
She thinks mm, she's yes. doing such a wonderful thing. She knows exactly <laughs> how this should go and who should be with who. And she's totally oh. wrong about everything and comes to the end and is a better person for it. So, oh, uh, so Bane, Bane is Mr. Knightley. Yeah. To Tossie. <laughs> yep. What about you, Diane? I think that it could be fun as long as they were approaching it as not some kind of like reading Pride and Prejudice. Hey guys, this is just going to be really fun. Let's just see how this flies. Yeah. 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 Fun. Yeah. Especially like a mystery novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does read sort of like a mystery novel. Yeah. And you could use it to kick off. Uh, you know, if you were to do a semester, like I'm thinking in my library, I could do a semester of murder mysteries. And so we could do this one and then do a Lord Peter and then do a Poirot, do a, you know, Father Brown, et cetera, et cetera. Could be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, now here's something that nobody ever talks about anymore. But Re- Mary Roberts Reinhardt wrote the book that started the phrase, the butler did it. And so oh, I don't know, us. they're still hard to get in hard copies i've read all of them on uh, my kindle but was that the miss pinkerton series no it wasn't one of the miss pinkerton ones Mm -mm. okay huh and i forget the name of it right the second but i mean she's credited with the butler did it and also with Mm -hmm. the had she but known tactic oh had she but known (laughs) you're in the middle of the story if only she had known that thus and such was going to happen she wouldn't have done that and so one of the one of the biographies i read of her was called had she but known oh cool (laughs) but i will tell you one annoying thing in other people's writing and in this one as well if it's done too much is this it's in the top of my i i'm i just Something is is making me think about something, and I just can't get to it. Yeah, and I and and then it's gone. And I I like how she figured that out as like it's something happening in the net that the net is trying to oh, push him into it. But yeah. there are some books where it's like this your standard mysteries where this there's something they know. And they know they know it, but they can't remember it. And it makes me feel so much like being an old person that I just can't stand it anymore. Right. It, it worked in this one because you know all along that he's not, he's never had time to recover from his time lag. Right. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. there's yeah. something that's being shown to him. And then t- you don't know that at the beginning, but the more it happens to him, the more he realizes that the net is is showing him something, but taking it away real quick. Right. That I caught that. Because it's calibrating. Yeah. <laughs> the net is calibrating. Yeah. <laughs> or calibrating him anyway. Yeah. But that's frustrating <laughs> to me when something is like right there. It's something mm. you, you know, somebody said, and you can't put it together. And in some really standard mysteries, it's a technique that they use a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to come I see up- it too much. It's like, well, Right, because they're gonna it's gonna come to them finally right at the last second when it really matters. Yes. And that doesn't happen yes. in real life. There's the climax. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can't stand that. No, in real life it always <laughs> happens after the whole thing yeah. is done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you're cleaning up the but mess. It's a very human experience. It is, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is that is what yeah. happens. And it does finally come to us at the sometimes when yep. it's too late usually yep. or else you go oh i didn't remember what it was it was just some stupid show i was watching and it doesn't have anything to do with anything <laughs> <laughs> no, not too. oh now i have to go back and read uh blackout and all clear well hang on because i think we're gonna i mean even if if diane doesn't want to do it i totally respect that um but i want to reread it for my own sake because I need. I didn't know what was going to happen, and I have to reread it now that I know. I oh, and I know I ripped. I ripped through it at a time in my life when I was really busy, and I read it mm. just because I had to read it because it. Mm-hmm. We waiting for it to come out, and <laughs> and so I just 
rip through it and I don't remember. I do want to read it. I just don't want there to be a time limit. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) And then you're going to have to read The Road to Roswell. You're going to have to. Yeah, I actually, I almost bought the Kindle for it the other day. (laughs) You're going to have to. What what is the title of the one that you said is about? The Silver Screen? Yeah. You know what that's so weird about that is I read that, but it is so prophetic of what is actually happening in some of the film industry today. Some of what they're doing is, you know, with CGI and green screen and re is it called remake? I'm checking right now. Give me just a second. I think it's called remake. And that's what they're doing now is they're remaking a lot of stuff, but they're using remake CG CGI and stand-ins and where well I mean yeah I mean, like, what you were... can make Luke Skywalker who's like 60 Correct. years old look like Luke Skywalker was 18 again 18 again yeah. and that yeah. she wrote that well yeah. and that was the whole premise of the of the of the actor strike for the last four months right. mm-hmm. yep that they they want in their contracts that their image can never be digitally recreated without their express and their voices. Yes, and their, and voices. their voices. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can take their whole. Yes. Everything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Why would you ever need to cast Harrison Ford ever again if you could make twenty Indiana Jones movies with him at age thirty-five? Yeah. Why would you ever? Why would you ever make another one with him? Yep. Mm-hmm. Never mind. It would be stale. But you know, yeah. whatever. That's and Bellwether was weird. Yeah, I, that's that's the one I said that was sort of outdated. Yeah, that would probably have been my least favorite. Mm. Tanya, Christy, and Sherry, this has been fun. Thank you for coming this afternoon. Thank you, everybody, for being willing to read this book with me. I know Sherry and Christy were on board. I'm so glad Tanya loved it. And Diane, I'm glad it was not a waste of time for you. <laughs> I do think this one is just such a fun romp, but I am very eager for us to do Blackout and All Clear next year sometime because it is really so compelling. And Diane, you and I are reading so many World War II books right now. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it would be very fitting to to work that in sometime soon, soon-ish, not soon, soon-ish. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> Ladies, it is such a gift to have your friendship. And it is such a blessing to have you in this podcast, in these book clubs. Um, I think these book clubs are going to just be such a wonderful way to look back on our reading and remember when we read things together and invite other friends into the journey of reading with us. So I hope and pray that what we're doing here is not only for the entertainment of many, but also for the edification and that mom's Hopefully, for many of you, this will give you a good understanding of what might be in something so you can make the best decision for your family. Is this a good one to do for you? And librarians, we really hope that this will help you in determining which books you may wish to do as a book club in your library. So thank you all so much for listening in. Please feel free to come and chat with us. We'd love to chat with you. You can find us on all the normal social media places on our website via email. You can also find us at the BiblioGuides online community, which is a mighty network, and it's totally free. And we'd love to chat with you over there. So friends, thanks for reading. Uh, We have a couple more lighthearted and funny and fun books coming up over the next couple of months. So check our website or check our social media to see what's next. I think it's Parnassus on Wheels next, right, Diane? Yes. Yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So get ready to laugh and not take anything too seriously, which to me feels like just the perfect recipe for the holidays. So thanks for listening, friends. And until next time.